You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 59, and uh, we will look at the first four verses together. Behold, consider, think about this. God wants us to mark something in our minds. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy or dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. And there is none that call for justice or equity, for righteousness. Neither is there any that pleadeth for truth. They, plural, the culture, trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and they bring forth iniquity. This challenge by Isaiah... Uh, to make clear to the nation what in fact causes separation between them and their God and to exonerate God in the whole process. Uh, In chapter 58, he had talked to them about fasting and said, you know, lift up your voice, proclaim by people sin to them because they act religious. They come to the temple. Sometimes they even fast. They walk around saying, why doesn't God take notice? And God says, you know, in your fasting and your religious practice, you're arguing, you're smiting your fellow, you're exacting all your labors. There's no heart in it. It's just a shell. It's just performance. There's no reality. Would, would that ever be the fasting that I would choose, God says? Is that the religious practice that would reflect me? Wouldn't it be rather to feed the hungry and to find those that are less fortunate and care for them and to demonstrate great compassion and uprightness, not to do your own will on the Sabbath, but to honor me. You know, if you do those things, then your own healing will, will, will spring up speedily. If you do those things, your life will be like a watered garden and your children, those who come of you, they will be those that repair the breach, that, that build up the old foundations. You know, then there's going to be something that's of reality, Because God's arm is not short that he cannot save. His ear is not dull that he can't hear. The problem is not on God's end, and God is blamed so often. But the problem, in fact, he says, is crystal clear. It's your sin, your iniquities that have separated you from your God. Very interesting that that man is not meant to be separated from God. God created man and walked with him in the cool of the day, created man for fellowship. Man separated from God is a disaster. It is not God's plan. Well, how do we fix that? You know, God wants the church to understand perfectly clear 
where the lines of delineation are drawn. God doesn't want there to be confusion about this because this issue is eternal. This issue determines people's eternal destiny. It is critical. There is no more important issue in the life of any human being than the lines that God is drawing right here. And it's important for us to look at that because we live in a culture where it's not right to be that exact. That's not, you know, open. It's not inclusive. We, We live in a culture where we can't say what's right and wrong anymore. We live in a culture where we can't draw lines anymore because it's not inclusive and it's not politically correct. And all of that stuff washes over the church. So we find the the church in so many places no longer willing to draw the lines. But, you know, we want to be nice. We want to have, you know, if this church was really nice, we certainly have more pastels in here. Because it just warms everybody up, you know. We would certainly use PowerPoint presentations because everybody watches their TV and and plays video games and we'd be relating on a level that people then could feel like they're part of things. Just the big screens up there, we could have... I didn't even really have to come. I could pre-tape this message. You guys could watch it, you know. Uh, Certainly, we wouldn't talk about sin and we'd never mention the H word, hell, We don't ever want to say that. Repentance, that Jesus is the only way to be saved. My, what in the world is wrong with this church? It's not friendly. No seeker would wander in here and feel comfortable. I'm not worried about that. Because Paul says there's no man that seeketh after God, no, not one. So even if there was one, I wouldn't make the whole service custom made for him or her. But Paul says there's not one. I don't know what a seeker is. Paul says there aren't any. But we have this whole mentality of this is the way we have to present it because we don't want to offend anybody. And we are blurring the lines of truth the same way the culture is. Now, I'm not talking about someone who is suffering from uh, a difficult situation or an illness. That's not, this is talking about sin and iniquity separating us from God. And God is saying, you know, let me make this clear to you. The awful consequences of sin is that it separates the problem is not with God. His arm is not too short to reach your life. And his ears, he's not disinterested. It's that you've turned your back. You don't want to know the truth. And it's your sin that separates you from God and makes him hide his face from you. That's the terrible nature of sin. It is the most serious issue in the Bible. It's why God sent his son into the world to die, because it separates. It's the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 4 and verse 6, where it's translated divided. God divided the light from the darkness. Your sin has divided you from God. God divided the firmament above the heavens from the firmament below the heavens. That's the same word, divided. Your sin has divided you from God. It's divisive. 
It cuts us off from God Almighty. That's what sin does. He brings an indictment in, in Ezekiel against the, the spiritual leadership in Israel. He says, The priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference, separation, division. That's our word. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. They have put no difference between unclean and clean. That spiritual leadership responsibility there is to draw a line between that which is profane and that which is holy. Profane, profanum from the, from the Latin. It means outside of the temple, outside of the threshold, where the commerce and the street took place, the common things, day-to-day life, that there has to be a line drawn, as it were, between that and which is, that which is holy. We're talking about something that's completely distinct from the traffic of this world. We're talking about the difference between clean and unclean, and that's in regards to God, what's acceptable and what's not. It's, it's ceremonially clean and unclean before God. That sin draws that kind of huge line of demarcation. It is very serious. And yet we say, well, I don't talk. You're going to offend people. It's bad for their self-esteem. Don't talk like that. What's wrong with you? Well, let me ask you a question. Would you accept less of a diagnosis from a doctor? What if you went to a doctor and he said, you know, you have a serious bacterial infection. But we don't want to just go right in there with heavy antibiotics and bang those bacteria because, you know, we need to warm up to them a little bit. You know, we want the bacteria to understand where, where it, what it's doing and where it's evolved from and how destructive it is. And we, we don't want to just chase it away. Would you accept that from a doctor or from a, a policeman? Oh, yes, he's a rapist. He's a, yes, he's a pedophile, but your daughter's okay. We don't want to just, you know, black and white issues. We don't want to just draw the line and offend the guy. We're trying to, you know psychologize him into being right. We're trying to, he's really a nice guy under all of that. Would you accept that? And those are in temporary arenas. Don't you get, in fact, those of you who have been to a doctor, don't you get tired of going from specialist to specialist to specialist to get a diagnosis? 200 bucks to this guy, 300 bucks to this guy, 400 bucks to this guy, and, no, and they're all specialists except you. Because you can't get to somebody to tell you what you have. Now the great thing about God is, His diagnosis is 100% accurate the first time. He shines the light of his word, the light of his spirit from heaven to drag everything out into the light and say, this is wrong and this is right. This is life. This is death. This is being lost. This is being saved. This is sin. This is repentance. And God drags it all into the open because he loves us. And because he wants us to see completely clear what the issues are because it determines our eternity. We wouldn't accept it from a doctor who's determining a temporary wellness to our physical being. These are issues that are eternal. And the great thing about Jesus Christ is he gets the diagnosis right the first time. We can't fool him. He knows what we have. Second thing is he knows the cure the first time. The great thing is he doesn't charge. He makes house calls. That's why he's called the great physician. You don't have to pay. There's no bill. He's paid it. 
And he gets it right. He gets it right. And are we offended about that? That he looks down and he says, these are where the lines are drawn. If you're on this side, you're going to be lost. And I'm talking about outer darkness. I'm talking about hell. I'm talking about eternity. If you're on this side, you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven. You'll walk in fellowship with God throughout eternity. And that's what you were made for. That's what you were intended to do. You weren't intended to live in sin and defilement. I mean, if you're living in compromise today, if you're living in sexual sin, if you're messing with pornography, do you want us to put that up on the wall in front of the whole sanctuary? Oh, there he is. Yeah, we're praying for soldiers. And that guy, pornography written over his head. Look at that up there. Do you want us? You want your picture up there? You know, you took great care of the way you look physically. You dressed yourself. You care what people see when they look at this, but all the way down to the heart. Nobody comes to church saying, I want to be ugly. I want my ugliness out in the open. I want everybody, you know, but God draws the lines and says, the problem is not on my end. My arm is adequate. It's not too short that it can't save. Jesus, God has become our salvation, his very name. My ear is not dull. Isaiah would say he's the creator of the ear unable to hear. The problem is separation. Separation is caused by sin and iniquity. Your palms, literally, it's not just your hands, verse 3. Your palms are defiled with blood. Your fingers, this is very personal here. They're defiled. They're unacceptable before God. Your lips are the problem. They've spoken lies. Not my ear, your lips, your tongue muttering perverseness. You're on a particular course. And in verse 4, he really gives us a summary of that course. None, he says, are calling for justice or equity or, or righteousness. There's no call for that. People are not pleading for that. Nor are they pleading for truth. But rather, they trust in vanity. No foundation in their lives. What are we relying on what are we trying what's our culture what does our culture trust in rely on lean on what foundation is there if it's not in god whatever it is it's an illusion it's not real it's emptiness and he says that they trust in vanity now when you trust in vanity they speak lies that's the next thing there's a process there's no integrity in what they say because what they trust in is 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 an illusion And willingly, people know in their hearts. There's no integrity in what they have to say. Because what they've conceived, it's getting down to the heart. Their motives, they've conceived mischief. Their their intentions, the conceptions of the heart. And what is conceived there is what will be born Are you in the first trimester, the second trimester, the third trimester? You know, sin doesn't just happen today. Oh, yesterday I was fasting. I was on a 40-day fast. I was in the Word 12 hours a day. I was, you know, I'm always before the Lord. I was doing great. I was on fire, and I robbed the bank this morning. I don't know why I did it. That's not how sin always has a history. And it's because what's leaned on, what's... What's confessed is, is vain and it's empty. 
And what's conceived in the heart, the intentions, there's something going on there that's mischievous. And what it will bring forth, it says, what it will ultimately give birth to is what has been conceived. It can't give birth to something else. James says it this way. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. James says, don't let anybody blame God for that. Isaiah is saying the problem is not with God. His arm isn't short that he can't save or his ear heavy he can't hear. The problem is sin. Sin separates people from God. James says, don't let anybody blame God that what goes on, because it's our own lust. He's not tempted, we're tempted. And then when we're enticed, it conceives, brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. But God has come into the world to save us from our sins. He didn't just come into the world to save us in our sins. He's come into the world to save us from our sins. To change us. And, and too often we hear, oh yeah, yeah, I'm struggling with pornography. Yeah, yeah, a couple times a week, seven times. I, uh, I, you know, I'm looking at pornography, but I'm a Christian, I'm saved by grace. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, I'm still drinking. I get drunk, uh, tie one on once in a while, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But, uh, but I'm a Christian, I'm saved by grace. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sleeping with somebody else's wife, but God understands. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure, it's okay with her husband anyway, and yeah, yeah, I'm a believer. Oh, yeah, I'm living in homosexual sin, but God knows he loves me. Yeah, I'm using drugs. Yeah, I stole all the family's money to get out of Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. No, 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 God says here, no. Your sin has separated you. From God, He's not in any of those activities with you. There's no fellowship with him in sin. If we walk in the light, it says we confess our sins. If, if, we, if we live in sin, that we're in the darkness and we're not having fellowship with him. Not a popular message on earth. In heaven, it is the most popular message. That sin separates man from God. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. It is important enough to God that he has paid the ultimate price. He sent his son to the cross. Wednesday night when we looked at the crucifixion, we have Jesus Christ on the cross in the three hours of darkness. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken that we never have to be forsaken. He was separated from God so that we never have to be separated from God. Forsaken, eridus tense, once and for all. Something happened in eternity. Jesus died outside of time. Jesus died eternally. It wasn't the physical death because on the cross after that, he asked for a drink. He cried, it is finished. He's not dead yet. It was already finished. It is finished. And then he gave up the ghost. It wasn't his physical death that paid for sin. It was his, the death of his soul. It was his spiritual death, his eternal death. He took the sin of the world upon himself. That's why he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Habakkuk says, thou art, O Lord, of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. 
And when the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, was on the substitute, the Father turned away. It says he can't look upon iniquity. And Christ cried for the first time ever, my God, my God, why? Didn't know. He was without information. Why hast thou forsaken once and for all? Why hast thou forsaken me? And it was there somehow in the great mystery he paid the price of our redemption. The atonement took place so much so that when he's ready to die physically, he says it's finished. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. We need not be separated from God. Our sin separates us from him, but there has been payment for sin made. God wants to make a diagnosis, and he wants it to be absolutely clear in our culture. He's not saying, oh, no, 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 no. We want the church to be nice. Get out your pastels. We don't want to offend anybody. That's not what God's doing. God is crying after a culture, and his heart is broken. And he's saying the culture is on its way to hell. It's lost in sin. But I love them, and I gave my son to die in their place. And if they can understand the consequences, if they can understand what's at stake, if they can understand that payment for sin has already been made, that they can turn to me and my arm is long enough to save and my ear is open to their cry and the problem is not on my end. It's their sin that separated them from me, but if they will turn to me, I'll save them. I'll save them. We should never apologize for that message. Oh, well, the church, no, no, the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. It's not a club for unbelievers on Sunday morning. That's not what it is. We welcome unbelievers to come. And if you come this morning and you don't know Christ, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. And you're saying, well, I don't know about this. You can know about it. Because his arm is long enough to reach to you and his ear is open to your cry. And if you don't believe us before you leave here this morning, say, Lord Jesus If you've paid for my sins, I want to know. I don't want to play church. I don't want to play Calvary Chapel, but I want to play life and death. I want to play eternity if these consequences are real and they're eternal. And if you've diagnosed me with with an issue uh, that, that will kill me, which is sin, and you have made diagnosis, you have the cure, you have the vaccination, the inoculation, and I can have it for free, and I can know when I die I can go to heaven, I want to know. That is the most important decision anyone will ever make in their lives. That is the thing that has to be clearest in the world that we live in amongst every human being in every culture and every society. And for us to water it down and be apologetic about it is to do a disservice to the very heart of God who's given his own son, his beloved, spotless, his only begotten son to pay the price. All we need realize is that we're sinners. Not my wife made me do it, my husband made me do it, my boss made me do it. That's not the problem. The whole world's doing that. We're at war. We hate each other. That's not the problem. The problem is in every individual. And God has made a way. Behold. Behold, he says. The Lord's hand is not shortened that he can't save. The problem's not on his end. His ear's not dull that he can't hear. But your iniquity 
has separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear because your hands are the ones that are shortened. They're involved in something they shouldn't be involved in. Your lips are speaking lies. The problem is that he can't hear. If you were honest and said, here I am, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. You'd be washed. You'd be cleansed. But nobody's calling for righteousness. Nobody's calling for truth. There's no pleading for it. People are trusting in vanity. Speaking lies, conceiving mischief, and bringing forth iniquity. But the gospel of Jesus Christ cuts right across the grain of all of that. And I pray that the light of his word and the light of his presence shines so brilliantly on our lives that we never get away with something that he wants us to change. Kathy and I lived in this apartment for a while in San Diego years ago when Joanna was first born a long time ago. Uh, It was a two-bedroom apartment. It was $200 a month. That'll tell you how long ago it was. And, And the kitchen range decided not to work. So the landlord brought a new range in and put it. And it must have had grease or something in it. Well, roaches moved in with it. Cockroaches. Real ones. Little brown ones, the real ones. Uh, and they uh, multiplied. And we'd come in the kitchen at night, turn on the light, and when you turn the light on, they headed for cover. Because the light, you know, just didn't like the light. As soon as the light came on, they headed for cover. They finally had to put a, drape a big thing over the whole apartment building and, and fume the whole thing, and that drove them out of the wall. We'd be laying in bed at night. I remember one ran across my neck one night in bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's just free information. Just, Yeah, but you do that with roaches. Do you do that with sin? Roach ran across my neck. That lasted three seconds. What about sin that separates us from an almighty and eternal and loving God who's made provision for our sin to be dealt with? He's fumigated our lives. He's made the provision to get rid of all the roaches. He wants to turn on the light, you know, so all of those things will run for cover. He wants us to see clearly what the conditions are. He wants us to see clearly what the terms are. He wants us to see clearly his great love. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins. The place where his wrath could be satisfied on our behalf. What a great God. What a loving God. No problem on his end. No problem. I'm going to exhort you in three ways this morning. One is, never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. Never be ashamed of it. Let it be simple. Let it be clear. Draw the lines. Not Pharisaic. You don't want to, I'm not saying be a, a legalist or a Pharisaic. But I'm saying in loving terms. The way a doctor would diagnose an illness. The way, you know, policemen take care of something that, that's wrong. Homeland Security, we want them to be serious and guard our borders. Why would we not want this to be serious? It's eternities at stake. So never apologize. In these last days, you know, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Let's let it be real. No apology. Secondly, If you're living in compromise, I mean, we all wrestle. I know in my life, if I'm doing something that displeases God, 
I want him to talk to me about that. In fact, I am floored, not when I find out something needs to change, because I know I'm in process, but I'm floored when I realize that God the Father stoops down to talk to me and say that attitude, this thing. If God is, is dealing with you and talking with you and he's drawing the lines ever so clearly, don't turn away from that as a believer. If he's saying this is breaking down our fellowship, this is separating This is causing a divide between us. Praise him that he talks to you. Anything that doth make manifest is a light, it tells us in Ephesians. That God is shining his light on our lives. How wonderful. Turn to him. Don't turn away. And lastly, if you're here this morning and you don't know this God that we're speaking of, it's so simple. This message of Christ and his death and his resurrection And you can know him today. Not Calvary Chapel, not religion. If you live with your emptiness, you live with your disappointment, you fool everybody outside, but you go to bed every night with who you are inside, and you know you need forgiveness, it's been provided. It's been provided. Yes, Sin separates us from God, so God has initiated. His arm has reached out to us. His ear has lent itself to us. He sent his son into the world to die for your sins and my sins. You can know Christ today before you leave. I'm going to have the musicians come. We'll sing a last song. If you don't know if you died today where you'd spend eternity, you can know that before you leave. And what we're going to ask you to do as we sing the song, if you want, there's no coercing. You know, here are the terms of the contract. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody in this room. And the soul that sins shall surely die. But the free gift of God to you and I is forgiveness and life in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Joe Foch. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor Joe's teaching ministry by visiting ccphilly.org.